episodes, I got some really big and exciting news. Make sure to listen to the entire episode. There's something very special at the end of it. Alright, we'll take care. A wise man once said, Every journey begins with the first step. Come with me, my friends, as together we travel down the roadway of geekdom in our never-ending quest to find the joy and fun in what we love. However, our final destination may not be where we intended, for on this journey, tangents abound. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Tangents Abound. My name is Aaron Henley, and thank you all for joining me today. Oh, welcome, welcome, and welcome. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. Thanks for checking it out. So, I've got some plans for this next few episodes because, well, I had planned something special and then the Lego Batman movie was coming out around the same time, and I figured, hey, it's all kind of close together. So I'm going to have the next few episodes be Batman episodes. I apologize if I sound a little stuffed up. My cold came back, friends. Uh, it's This has been a r- rough uh, winter for me. It's like... I think it's because it hasn't been super cold and, you know, it killed all the cold germs. It's been, you know, 60 degrees in, you know, January and February here in Ohio. So, and it, we just hadn't any cold to kill the bugs. And, uh, it's been a rough, rough winter. I, I hope we actually have a winter. Yeah, you know, 60 degrees in February. I mean, that's, that's just normal for the Midwest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that whole uh, climate change thing, that, yeah, that's, that's just fake, fake news. So, before I get into what I'm going to talk about with Batman for this episode, I've got a lot of feedback to go through, and I am so thankful for it. So, thank you, everyone. I've got some returning people, and I've got a brand new emailer, and I can't wait to get into it. Um, So, without further ado... Alrighty. Well, I've got two emails from my semi-regular co-host, Mr. Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, Hendrix, and he writes first, Green Lantern Rebirth. No, the other one. (laughs) And Gene writes, Aaron, I was very excited to see the return, or rebirth, of Tangents. About, uh, let me start over. Aaron, I was very excited to see the return, or rebirth, of Tangents Abound. I can fully understand having to get your head together after the Sean Tribute episode, which was amazing, by the way, and I'm glad that you and Harley are back. Well, thanks, Gene. As far as Rebirth goes, whether it's Green Lantern, Superman, or anything else, I'm glad there are comics out there that people can enjoy again. One issue I had with the New 52 was that some characters were given a hard reboot, but others, such as Batman and Green Lantern, were allowed to keep their histories intact. This is the exact same problem that DC had after Crisis on Infinite Earths, right down to the same characters. Oh, really, Gene? I didn't know that. I thought, um, I knew Batman kind of got a soft reboot after issue 400. And for more information, check out Hey Kids Comics, and I think 
Michael Bailey did it on Views from the Long Box, where they talked with Michael with Andy Leyland, where they talked about issue 400. But I'm not sure where that was. It was either those two or Palace of Glitting Delights. But it's definitely out there. If if you search any of those shows, they 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 all explain what the pre-crisis to post-crisis Batman was. But I didn't know about Green Lantern Gene. I thought. Um, that when Gerard Jones took over in the 90s, that it was a complete, not uh, reboot, well, but more of a, but I, th I thought it was, because, you know, there was the Emerald Dawn uh, two-parter. I really need to go back and listen to those early episodes of just one of the guys. OT, don't fail me now. Um... So that so yeah, I appreciate that, Gene. I didn't. I I knew Batman because let's face it, it's Batman. But I didn't. Re I didn't know Green Lantern was part of that. Um, okay, and Gene's email continues. It just couldn't work, no matter how many how much they tried to claim it did. Luckily, post -cri in post crisis, there was greater leeway as Superman had appeared about seven years before the reboot in the. And now this is me in the incredibly awesome Man of Steel miniseries by John Byrne. And Gene continues, and Batman was only on his second Robin, which was Jason Todd. Still, I would like to see them just completely wipe the slate clean on everything if they're going to do a line-wide reboot. Of course, I'm not their customer anymore, so they aren't going to listen to me. Uh, that's fair, Gene. I mean, I I've seen what you've been uh, getting um, and sharing with your daughter, and I gotta tell you, some of those comics from the early 80s that I had no idea about sound really interesting, so I'm going to be checking some of those out. All that aside, it sounds like the new Lanterns were handled fairly well. There's still a lot of bleed over from the previous iterations, but that's happening with all of the titles. Okay, let me, let me clarify this, um, or help, help explain. Um, with the uh, DC Rebirth, if I said it was kind of like a full reboot, I was wrong. It's more of a course correction, because it still takes place in the New 52 universe. It's still the New 52 versions of the characters, with the exception of Superman. So, even though it's fixing the problems of the New 52, it's still that DC history. So that's, that's why there is a lot of bleed-over from the previous iteration, because it really is just the previous iteration just with, you know, Kid Flash back in the picture and, you know, people admitting, hey, we need to have some fun again in, in comics. <laughs> I would much rather have a comic that my daughter could read, but I guess that's not going to happen in the main titles, from what you mentioned about Dexter. I guess she'll have to stick to her Sailor Moon mangas, which don't have the previously mentioned commando check on the girls. Jean. Okay. Well, I talked to Gene about this, and I showed him the image, and I think I overstated it. I was trying to make a joke, and it, it just didn't stick. So that was my bad. The upskirt shot really isn't an upskirt shot. It's super, it's Wonder Woman walking up some stairs, and I guess her bustier has now changed into like this um, Greco-Roman-type armor, which works perfectly, because it's still the classic color scheme, and I love it. And, but the... Um, bottom piece is now kind of split in different parts and in one of those when she was walking up there was a 
a shadow where her uh, inner thigh would be. It's, it's all dark. It's all, you know, you can't see anything, so. And I'm still not explaining it right. It, it's one of those, talking about an image in an audio format doesn't do it justice. It's, it's a good picture. It is actually all ages appropriate, is what I'm trying to say. Because, honestly, Gene, I think you'd see a lot more in a Sailor Moon manga than you would did on that page. Um, yeah, there was a reason uh, I was quite interested in Sailor Moon when it was on Toonami, and I uh, <clears throat> discovered the internet and what the Japanese uh, original versions were. <laughs> Alrighty, so that's the first of Gene's two emails. Let's go into his second one, where he says, You did a commentary? Inconceivable! Oh, Alyssa, pay attention. Aaron and Alyssa. Ah, the Princess Bride. One of my favorite movies to watch and quote. It helps that it's also one of Michelle's favorites, and that we have two copies of the book. Well, if you if you ever need to get rid of one of those, I, I'm always in the market for, you know, doubles. <laughs> well, Michelle has a copy, and Kira has a copy that my sister bought her. Ah, why, yes, we are a geeky family. Yes, you are. And you know what? Forget what I just said. That's perfect. Of course, I haven't had a chance to read it, so many of your questions might be answered in there. I'll take my best shot with the movie version, though. To the point that it was convenient that Wesley show up just as Buttercup is kidnapped, it's possible that he was coming back to get her after making enough money. He seems rather quick to want to retire, so I'm thinking that was his plan all along, and he just happened on the kidnapping. Which makes sense. And, you know, in our comic book world, we're used to coincidences like that. <laughs> Knowing what we do about Humperdinck, I would think that he wants to conquer Gilder, but he needed an excuse to break the peace treaty they had. It's probably something his father agreed to way back when, and the prince wants more power and glory for himself, so he needs to create a war. Of course, he doesn't want to look like the bad guy, so he has to manufacture an excuse. That's where the kidnapping comes in. Buttercup, uh, having apparently no ability to act on her own, is the perfect pawn for this. Well, that makes sense. I believe the land war in the Asia line is a Korea-Vietnam reference. Hmm, yeah, that would make sense. But I also thought, if, if we're going with history, I'm not sure if... Um, when uh, the Princess Bride was written, but I, th well, it would definitely be after Korea, but I almost thought that was more of a, since it's a medieval time period, reference to uh, Hannibal in the uh, invasion of, up through Russia, that failed miserably, but I guess that would be Don't Start a Land War in Russia, wouldn't it? So, you are right, Gene, I will go with the Korea-Vietnam reference, that makes so much more sense. Hmm, uh-oh, I think I'm in trouble from what I'm about to read. So, you couldn't think of, oh, I don't know, Swamp Thing for Swamp Scenes in movies? The whole thing was in a swamp. Or the, the leech scene from Stand By Me, maybe? And that's just off the top of my head. Okay. To be fair, Gene, I completely forgot about the three Swamp... Two Swamp Thing movies and the, you know, TV series, the animated series, the whole toy line. And I've also never seen Stand By Me. Yes, there is a huge backlog of classic movies I have never seen, and that is one of them. Especially since, I I mean, you have young Indiana Jones and, well, Wesley Crusher, but, you know, good Wesley. Not when he was written well, not, not bad Wesley. <laughs> 
All in all, that was a very enjoyable commentary. You two need to do more episodes together. The never-ending story would be a good idea for that. And you should know that I did listen all the way to the end. Oh, Gene, you broke poor, poor soul. I'm sorry for that. How are you still listening to the show after that? <laughs> I appreciate you sticking around for that after that. P.S. It seems like Alyssa isn't very shy when she's with her brother and eating pizza. No, no, she wasn't. And in fact, I've, I'm working on to get her on for more episodes. Like I said, there's the Mass Effect, but apparently the people really love the commentary episode. I've gotten a lot of uh, little Facebook notices about it, too, so... There will be more commentaries. Not often, but I think that would just make it more special when they happen. PPS. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to read this, but I will. I know it wasn't one of my most downloaded episodes, but I think I should be heard that you didn't mention that I did a commentary for Zoro the Gay Blade. You know, that guy that Alyssa doesn't think of, with Dave and Christy from Neo ZAZ. Is that Neo Zaz? I'm not sure. I will forgive you for not knowing about my commentary for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that I did with Michelle, since that's an exclusive Patreon reward. Oh. Well, first off, Gene, I'm so, I have to apologize. I haven't gone through your whole backlog yet, so I didn't know you did a commentary for Zorro. I would love to listen to that, especially since I'd love to watch the movie first, and then, well, <laughs> again, did I mention classic movies I've never seen that I have to? Especially ones that, you know, inspire certain superheroes I'm going to be talking about in about... 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> and also, friends, I'm just saying this on my own. Gene has nothing to do with this. Check out Gene's Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash thehammerstrikes. Help my buddy out. You know, just give him a couple shekels. You know, one of the things I like about Patreon is you can just donate a dollar or two or whatever. Um, you don't have to spend a ton, but it helps support people out there who are putting out, you know, a lot of stuff. And to be honest, <laughs> hobbies cost a lot of money. Um, just for doing this podcast, it was more than I was expecting, but I'm not complaining because it is awesome, it's fun, and I have invested a few <laughs> more shekels in it than I probably needed to. But, you know, like painting. I went to a paint store because I was, like, was, I was binge-watching Bob Ross on YouTube. Because there's just something about that voice. You know, you just need that calming voice. And I was like, you know, this seems pretty easy. You know, he's making it look easy. Maybe I'm making it more complicated. So I'm like, you know, okay. So I went to my uh, local art store. And by my local art store, it was, a, again, an hour away. And they had the Bob Ross, like, kit. And I was like, ooh, okay. And then I saw what the individual things cost, like the canvas and the easel and the paints. And I'm like... Yeah, if I'm ever going to do this, I have to buy these kits because there's no way I can afford this piecemeal. So, again, Patreon is a great place for everybody. And stop by and help support Gene. I'm not going to say anything more about that. I'm just I'm just going to leave it there. So, check out Gene. He can be found on thehammerstrikes.com where he, had a, a, he posts a weekly um, little article about something that's on his mind, kind of like what I do with the show, just in audio, in uh, verbal reading form. Anyhow, 
He's also on the twotruefreaks.com with the Hammer Podcast, the Quantum Cast, Anime Freaks, and again, the Patreon page is patreon.com slash thehammerstrikes. Okay, so, Gene, that closes, that cleans out your emails. Let's talk about Alyssa's email that I got after reading Rogue One, after doing the Rogue One. You guys are a mate, so Scott, if you're listening, this one's for you, brother. You guys are amazing going over Rogue One like this. A few things I found interesting. Darth Vader is epic. I can't even. Building your dark, sithy mansion on the place where you murdered your wife. Well, technically he didn't murder his wife, he just strangled her and possibly caused internal hemorrhaging. So maybe he did kill her, but we're going with the she lost the will to live excuse, so no, he didn't kill his wife on Mustafar got in an epic fight with your best friend from childhood, became a paraplegic, and then was set on fire. That is just... I can't even use the correct words because this is a family show and I don't want to be bleeped. So, I will do it for you. That is... Also super interested in the Bacta tank. I need backstory! Or at least fanfic. Oh god, I'm going to venture into Star Wars fanfic. Haven't gotten into that fandom yet. Well, Alyssa, there's some good places to check out Star Wars fanfic. Uh, listen to J Guys and Jedi with Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell. Hope loves Star Wars fanfic. She knows where a lot of the good places are to find them. Um, drop her a line on Twitter, uh, the, and she she can point you in the right direction. Mom cried when K2SO died. She's amazing. I love our mom. Yes, Luke's lightsaber needs to be addressed. Like, first thing in episode 8. Luke has to be like, Huh? I thought I lost that with my hand. Hey, did, did you find my hand too? Well, uh, uh, Alyssa, let, let's think about this. That hand would be, you know, icky. To put it mildly. Have you seen The Walking Dead? It looked like that. Okay. I have to watch Rebels and rewatch Clone Wars again, don't I? Hmm. Pity. Pity? How is that a pity? You have access to Netflix with Clone Wars, and you have access to my Amazon Prime account with Rebels. There is no reason you should not be watching these shows. People can't lose limbs in Star Wars anymore? Well then. <sighs> also, good old days of dismemberment. Best line ever. And Harley agrees. Thank you both for pointing out all the little Easter eggs you found slash heard of, and while I don't follow most of them, it is amazing and makes me want to watch everything they're from. And that's the point of an Easter egg. Thank you for honoring Carrie Fisher in your episode too, bro. She's been an inspiration to me, as you know, and losing her was a blow to humanity. Not all people will believe that, but it is true. Rest well, Carrie. You drowned in moonlight, strangled by your own bra. If you don't get that, bro, I'll educate you later. Yes, I know what that's referencing to. In short, awesome episode. Looking forward to the next one. Marie. P.S. Best ending ever. There's no underwear in space. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot drive shaft. For that reference, seen Knight Rider. So I have... So those are my sort of returning emailers. But I have a brand new email. I'm so excited. Yay! From Dave McIlvenny. 
And I apologize, Dave, if I mispronounced your last name, but thanks for listening, Dave. So Dave writes, Greetings, Aaron. I just listened to your episode of commentary with your sister on the wonderful movie The Princess Bride, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. All right! Thanks, Dave! As you mentioned, this is a movie that its fans know so well that it's not really necessary to watch it along with your commentary, since we can follow along in our heads and know where you are. I had come across your Tangents Abound podcast back in December when I heard about the Lost Lantern tribute episode dedicated to the late Sean Angle. That episode was beautiful and moving and was a wonderful remembrance of a man I knew only from his podcasting and whom I came to respect greatly. You should certainly be proud of that episode. Well, thanks, Dave. That that means a lot. I, I appreciate that. And For everyone who's um, talked about the episode and, and said just how good a job I did that, I can't begin to again. I, I'm coming off as a broken record, but I will always say thank you for 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 the uh, the one full feedback and praise on that. I really, I really appreciate it. This one was quite a fun listen. Come on, it's the Princess Bride. How could it not be fun? I really like the banter between you and your sister, since both of you clearly love this movie. If you haven't already read it, I would recommend to you the book. As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride by Carrie Elwes. Wait, what? 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 There's a book by Carrie Elwes about the making of the Princess Bride? How did I not know this? Okay, everyone, go to your local library and check this book out. Because I know I am. It's a good read, with pictures taken during the filming. I look forward to listening to more episodes of your podcast. Thank you. And, and that's what Dave wrote, I'm, but I'm also saying thank you, Dave. <laughs> Live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. Well, Dave, I have a few things to say. First off, peace and long life, my friend. Also, thank you so much for the wonderful email. Thanks for uh, filling me in about this book. I definitely want to check it out. And I hope um, also that you go back and check out the earlier episodes. Now... And anyone who comes to the show and, you know, and uh, listens in, check out the earlier episodes. Some of them aren't the greatest, but I think that's true of every pod- podcaster. But some of them really I, I still love. Um, when I talked about Lois and Clark, uh, especially like issue 3 and uh, issue 8, those are two of my favorites, just... Because of the stories that were told, um, I love my Perfect Strangers episode. But again, that's a that's a Superman episode. Plus, you know, I I was really proud of that little um, uh, audio clip where where I talked had in the intro for that. That that was one of my little. That's part of the reason I love podcasting so much is coming up with all these little audio witsits and whatsits and uh, podcast galore. I've got gadgets and bleepers aplenty. I've got beepers and boopers and weep. And the cold medicine? It's gone crazy! But who cares? No one's here. I can sing! And there's your blooper for this episode. In all seriousness, what I love doing with the show is coming up with the audio clips um 
and just having fun with it. Sometimes it can be aggravating <laughs> because I'm like, why can't I find this? But I found some great software and yeah, it, it's been it's been fun and I love doing it. And thanks again, Tave. Like I, I tend to tangent when I even do my email, so that's why I named the show Tangents Abound. It's it's a very apt name. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you check them out and. If anyone else would like to send me an email, the email address is tangentsabound at gmail.com. There's also a link in the show notes. And also, if you like the show, could you please check me out on iTunes and leave me an iTunes review? Five star, one star, it doesn't matter to me. One stars, I love just as much as five stars because one stars say, hey, I need to fix something. And I won't know that unless I get one. So how many podcasters out there know and are begging for a one-star review. But, you know, if you like the show, leave me a four-star. Leave me a five. I actually would prefer a four-star because that way I know I have to keep improving. But I don't know if that helps people find the show like a five-star does. I'm not sure how this whole iTunes rating system works. But, you know, just let me know how you're doing. How I'm doing. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the feedback. Um, also, you can leave comments on the individual episodes on the Libsyn page. If you click the show title, it'll open up a box for comments. So that closes up the fee- feedback uh, section. And again, I appreciate it all so very, very much. It means so much to me that people, one, are listening to the show, and two, actually taking time out of their day to drop me a line about you know me talking about random stuff. So I appreciate it. So with that out of the way, we're going to get into the intro for Bat Month. Or months. I'm not sure yet. (laughs) We'll We'll be right back after these messages. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include... Batman number 400. Legends. Mike Barr and Alan Davis. Batman Year One. Batman Year Two. Max Allen Collins. Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd. Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, When Batman Fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? Well, Cindy, this is the last box. Supermates has now officially moved into Fire and Water Podcast Headquarters. Where do you want this Starman short box? Put it over by the classic monster DVDs. Be careful. Don't crush my superpowers Batmobile. Calm down, Christopher. Hey, you put the Star Trek DVDs on top of my comic action Wonder Woman Invisible Plane. Oh, 
Jeez. Well, ugh, now we can tell everyone that Supermates can be found exclusively at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Now, if they subscribe via iTunes, they shouldn't notice a change, right? Right. Or if they listen through the main Fire and Water Network feed. No change. They can just find the show's home, show notes, etc. here at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Well, I'm going to go take a dip in the Aquaman-sized swimming pool Rob has, but I am not putting on that mirror costume. It smells fishy. Oh, come on. It'll be fun. Hey, hey, don't trip over that life-size shag standee. thing is disturbingly real. Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast, now a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find us on iTunes or at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Alrighty, so, Batman. This episode is just going to be kind of what I love most about the character, his universe, supporting characters, and things that have really influenced me with the character. So, there has been a lot of Batman over the years. I mean, there's been... TV serials, movie serials, uh, animated series, TV series, movies, radio dramas, video games, anything and everything that Batman could be on, he's on. And he's been all sorts of characters to all sorts of people. He's been a detective. He's been noir. He's been a dark Defender of the Night. He's been Bat God in the more recent incarnations, capable of doing anything and everything. But to me personally, I think Batman is a man who knows what he's trying to do will never succeed, you know, trying to stop all crime, but he's wanting to make his city. A better place so that what happened to him won't happen to anyone else and if it does those responsible will face justice now I could go into the history of Batman look up lots and lots of articles and give you detailed facts and stuff like that but I'm not going to in fact I recommend you checking it out on yourself I recommend you doing um, some research and finding out what you like about Batman and let me know. Because 
everyone has, even if you don't like the character, there I can guarantee there's something in Batman's universe that can appeal to you. Because if you go, oh, it's just this big bruiser guy who goes out and beats people at night, he can be, he can be. But there's, and it all depends on when he's written. There are great Batman stories, there are really bad Batman stories, just like with any character in serialized fiction. So, what drew me to the character, first off, was just the fun I had with, with him. Because my introduction to the Batman was actually the 1966 uh, television series that was on reruns. I believe it was the Family Channel? I'm not sure. But... When you're a four-year-old kid and you see, you know, Adam West and Burt Ward and, <laughs> and eventually Yvonne Craig, and you just hear the see the Biff Pow Zap and, you know, you've, you've got Cesar Romero as the Joker, uh, you have Burgess Meredith as the Penguin, and in fact, when I first saw Rocky and I, and I saw Mickey, I went, oh, hey, it's Penguin! So... The 1966 animated... 1966 series <laughs> really influenced me because... For me, there was drama. There was action. There was... Did I know who all these people popping out of their... their popping out of the uh, windows when Batman and Robin were climbing up the, uh, the buildings? No. But it was fun. Did I think the death traps were cheesy and, uh, you know, cardboard? No, I thought they were life or death. In fact, one episode gave me nightmares where the Joker had like this giant Venus flytrap thing. And before you go, well, shouldn't that be a Poison Ivy thing? Poison Ivy wasn't in the 1966 series yet. I don't think she was actually created then. I'm not 100% sure, but that's why it was Joker with a giant Venus flytrap. Anyhow, Robin's trapped in it and it's, you know, it closes on him. And nowadays, if you look at the episode, it's just a big clamshell. But when I was a kid, that scared me because, you know, it closes on Robin and, and you get the great announcer. How will Robin get out of this? Will Batman save him in time? Tune out, tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Now, that worked because I was freaking out. Now, since it was on reruns, it was the next day, but I was like, what's... I, I, had, I had a nightmare that night because I was like, what's going to happen to Robin? What's going to happen to Robin? And... Obviously, he was fine and nothing happened, but to me, that was Batman. So, when the Batman the Animated Series came out, it was a bit of an adjustment period for me, actually. <laughs> because it was a much darker approach. And personally, it is the best interpretation of the character in a media form. That's not a comic. And I won't say a video game because, hey, most of the writers from uh, BTAS wrote the Arkham uh, games. So, yeah. Paul Dini, you know, Batman the Animated Series, just went on to write Batman the Arkham uh, Asylum game and the Arkham City game. And since they were pretty much just extensions of the BTAS universe with obviously some variations, but... Yeah, there was definitely a BTAS feel to it, which I think is part of why that those games worked so very well. Also, it helped that, you know, 
you had Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill reprising the roles too. But I will never forget the first episode of BTAS that I saw. It was the uh, first part of the episode of the uh, introduction to Clayface, and that again terrified me as a kid because the scene where the two thugs uh, ambush Matt Hagen in his car and dump the the goop the mud goop on him and you know just completely overdoses it's all in shadow and it's all okay but it, it scared me and then when you see Clayface it really and then he's morphing and changing in the next episode to all these people and then the uh, episode where Batman puts in all the videotapes and you, you know Hagen is just morphing left and right left and right from a technical standpoint that was an achievement beyond anything that had been done uh, animation wise at that point but just to me, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And then we get into the Joker episodes. Like, w the one where he has a garbage barge, and he's, like, just spraying it with laughing gas all over Gotham and then just looting the place. And, you know, he's got Captain Clown, this robot. Where did he get it? We don't care. But then he goes, but then when Batman, you know, beats him up and throws him in the trash compactor and then, you know, he comes out as a... <laughs> six by six metal cube and Joker just goes you kill Captain Clown you kill Captain Clown oh it was great and I immediately saw when Catwoman was involved where the relationship came from how Batman and Catwoman interacted that's where the whole femme fatale thing really started getting in my brain without me actually knowing what it was called. And it introduced me to so many characters. Robin and the great episodes of Robin's Reckoning were amazing. Uh, Mr. Freeze. L let me put it this way, friends. There's a reason why Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin, and it was because of BTS. Now, don't take this as a negative on the character. Mr. Freeze, as written in Batman the Animated Series, especially in his first episode, Heart of Ice, was completely changed the character. Until then, he was just some guy with a freeze gun. When Because this is where they introduced... Nora and that whole backstory and gave him motivation than just I'm going to go rob a bank because I have a gun that shoots ice. It brought a depth to the character that has stuck to this day. And it's just great. So many things from BTAS have been incorporated into the modern Batman mythology and for most of us who grew up with BTAS that's our mythology of Batman. Um... It introduced Harley Quinn. Everybody knows Harley Quinn now. But back then, it was because Paul Dini and the writers and like Alan Burnett and other people, and I, I really didn't do any research, so I'm just going off the top of my head on this one, got together in the room and said, hey, you know, for this one episode, Joker's favor, let's give Joker just a sidekick girl. And that's where Harley came from. And the rest is history. Now we can't imagine Harley uh, not being in the Batman universe. The whole 
is she a lesbian with poison ivy became out of BTAS. We're not 100% sure, but I think... Personally, I think Pamela Isley is uh, a bisexual because she's not really human anymore. She, I, I, she focuses more on her plants, but that's a whole other topic. I don't want to get into gender specificity and uh, homosexuality, mainly because that's not, I believe this is not the forum for that. I have my opinions on those topics, and I don't want them to come out in the show in case they may offend someone. Because while I may disagree with practices, I will never disagree with a person. Because we are all flesh and blood human beings. We all bleed red. We should all treat each other with respect. And that's all I'm going to say on that. So, because, so, just so much great stuff came out. Rachel Ghoul played by David Warner. I didn't know why they called him the demon and but when we but and I didn't know just how many of those episodes of Batman the animated series were based off classic comic stories. But it was great. It was amazing. And because of those stories, because of those watching the show, I went out to my local drugstore and they had a spinner rack, and my dad bought me my very first Batman comic. And I will never, ever forget it. Because when I started reading, I was like, this isn't Batman. This is, this is scary. Because it had Joker kill a detective with Smilex gas. It had Magpie, of all people, in it. I, I, and she does the happy birthday thing. So I was like completely blown away. I didn't understand anything of what was going on. I'm like six reading a Batman comic. I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, uh, okay. Well, from then came the Batman Adventures comic. And that's what I bought. So I was able to find a few issues. Like, like in those big bundle packs they would put in the grocery stores. I was able to get a few of those. So I loved the Batman animated series uh, adventures comics. And the best part is those are now available again. You can find them on Comixology. You can, they've been reprinted again. They're on the shelves. Go check them out, please. Even though they are... The art by Mike Parabek, who sadly is passed away, is spot on to the animated series. I mean, it's like Bruce Timm was doing the art. In fact, I couldn't... That I just was like, oh, okay, they just got the same people who drew the cartoon to draw the comic. Because that's how close it was. And it fleshed out characters that they didn't have time for in the show. It gave more backstory to them. This is where we got the Harley and Joker backstory in Mad Love. This is where the, we got so much that we know and love from, and nobody knows about it. This is where Harley Quinn made her first appearance in comics. And in fact, the way I know this is because those issues of Batman Adventures suddenly spiked in price after Suicide Squad. Yeah, what used to be a quarter book suddenly became, you know, a 5 to 10 20 $30 book. <laughs> because of the Suicide Squad movie. movie. Now, I really appreciated the animated series. And when it became the 
Adventures of Batman and Superman, and the art style changed. Or, I believe it was also called, like, Batman Gotham Knights, but as far as I knew on Kids WB in the U.S., it was called the Batman and New Adventures of Batman and Superman, and that whole art style changed. I had a lot of problems with the art on it, because you went from such great, great character designs in BTAS to a lot of more simplistic styles. Uh, Catwoman went got a huge overhaul joker everybody got a huge overhaul but and some of the worst i personally feel were catwoman were joker penguin i liked because it became more the penguin that was in the comics more slender uh and they gave him the iceberg lounge and he became more the gangster that we knew in the comics now i will say while i did have problems with the art for most of the characters of the uh, gotham knights new adventures of superman I do not have a problem with Scarecrow. That redesign was perfect because that made Scarecrow scary. He looked like a um, combination old-time judge with a, a big black flat hat like an old-time preacher would wear, but he was all in dark makeup like and skeletal teeth. He had a, like a, a, bro a cut, broken noose off wrapped around his neck. It was a completely terrifying image, and it was perfect for Scarecrow because the original design in BTAS, he was all slanky and lin, and um, not very threatening. You needed the fear gas to actually take him seriously. But it also introduced Nightwing to me, um, and that was great because. I didn't know that Dick Grayson became Nightwing. I didn't know that he grew up and went off on his own and became his own superhero. So that that was cool. I didn't know he and Batman had a falling out because, again, I grew up with, like I said, with the 1966 series, and it's always been Batman and Robin. And following that awesome series came Batman Beyond. And that Batman series, I was a little older, so I was 10 to 11, and it was great. I didn't latch on to Terry as much as I have now, but back then, but I still loved the show because I liked Batman as uh, Bruce as more of like a Obi Wan Yoda mentor type, but he's even gruffer. But I didn't like how you know. Commissioner Gordon. I liked how Commissioner Gordon was Barbara, but I didn't like how she hated Bruce. I didn't know what was going on. But once that's all revealed, there's backstory, then the you know, Return of the Joker movie came out, and that fleshed it out more, then I got it. And then, actually in 2014, came a Batman Beyond comic, which furthered the story. And I will be talking about that later, because, oh, Boy, <laughs> there were some revelations in that <laughs> that I, I, I've got a few special plans coming up and I can't wait to get other people's reactions on. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold off on telling you about that. I have to make you come back for the next episode. <laughs> but that's kind of where I stopped with Batman was uh, when, beat, when Batman Beyond went off the air, I, I kind of stopped. I didn't have the money for comics. I wasn't working. Um, 
And when I finally had my own part-time job and was getting money, that's when I discovered Spider-Man. And I, I basically became a Marvel guy. In fact, you know what? Tangent abound time. Let's go into my comic story because I don't think I've ever told that. When I first uh, started working, I was walking past my uh, Walden books, which I miss dearly and still walk by the empty slot in the mall and cry every once in a while. But I was walking by a spinner rack and there was uh, Peter Parker lying on a gurney with uh, a bandage over his eye. He was all torn up. Um, it was during a storyline called The Other, which I had no idea anything about. All I knew is uh, Peter was messed up. So I, I pick up the issue. I, I, re I was reading it. I had fully intended to buy it. So I'm reading the first few pages, and then I find out, you know, some some guy named Moreland is trying to kill him, and then he attacks Mary Jane, and, you know, Peter is dying, and he uses his last breath to, you know, defend his wife, and I went sold. I became a Spider-Man fan right then, and, you know, comic book fan. I started shelling out money left and right. I was a Spider-Man fan. So I didn't get into uh, Marvel. I was uh, into DC. So... I was kind of a pure Marvel kid for a long time, and I don't know what changed, but I think uh, it was just, I got tired of Marvel going event after event after event after event. It was like, they never let their books breathe, and DC was falling into the same trope, but now they're letting the books breathe a bit and we're get, before going into their annual event. And I think personally that the two issues a week, uh, two issues a month thing is helping a lot because it's letting the characters breathe. So we're actually, if, if you read them on a year monthly schedule, it would be like we're getting a year to a year and a half of issues and then we're moving into an event. So it's le it's letting things progress a little bit more naturally than oh you got six issues oh and then there's another event six issues oh there's another event six issues oh there's another event oh uh, it, it just dc is bringing back the supporting cast and the secondary characters and making us care all about the characters again because i think they they lost a bit of that now also after batman beyond became there came the justice league and again, that pretty much solidified my, my love for, um, for the, uh, the character of Batman because now he's hanging out with Superman and Wonder Woman. The DC Animated Universe, or DCAU, was my in gateway to so many things of the DC Universe. It's where I met Green Arrow. It's where I met Black Canary. It's where I met um, Batgirl. It's where I met... <laughs> villains and heroes galore and made me want to find out more so definitely check the series out it's on netflix there is no reason to not watch the show and i think a lot of people of my generation and the generation after can attest to that and you know if, if you, one thing i'd love to hear from your friends is how you found the character uh what attracted you to the character so drop me a line. So that's that's the animated stuff. Now the comics, I think what really got me into the comics 
part of Batman was <laughs> uh, Michael Bailey. Professor Michael Bailey of Views from the Long Box of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which can be found on supermanhomepage.com. And when he started talking about Batman, and then Hey Kids Comics did their whole um, night, Nightfall to Prodigy uh, coverage, where the story of, you know, Batman getting his back broken by Bane all the way through Night... Uh, quest where Batman recovers and there's the Jean-Paul Valley or uh, the, you know, the big Batman in the, like, the blue armor suit who kept killing people. And it showed, once and for all, why a Batman who kills doesn't work and only, if only, you know, Warner Brothers had learned that lesson <laughs> in a recent movie. Oh, by the way, I will be talking about that for uh, another episode. <laughs> Not that movie, but, um, yeah. Anyhow, <clears throat> so listening to all these great podcasters that I've known and loved, well, I shouldn't say loved, respected, uh, uh boy. I, well, I think, I think you know what I'm trying to say. Again, I'm not, I'm not the best wordsmith, <laughs> but... Listening to them made me want to check out the character, so I started finding old issues of Batman. And I started reading it. I started really digging it. And I loved the characters. But what... And I loved Batman. Because when he's written as just a guy, and, a de and he's trying to solve a crime, and being a detective, and doing detective things, and not just immediately having, oh, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, plan F, and figuring out, you know... He's the eight steps ahead of everybody. I didn't like that interpretation of the character, but when he's just a guy trying to do his, you know, do his job, and it, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but what really got to me was he is damaged. He's all, since the murder of his parents, he's always been damaged. He has, he cuts off all social contact. When he's out in public as Bruce Wayne, that's a persona. When he's out as Batman, that's a persona. I think the only general time when he's uh, Bruce Wayne is when he's in the Batcave with Alfred or with Dick or Tim, even Jason. And I'll there. There's a lot I want to talk about with Jason Todd because that's a whole other episode I'm going to do. Because remember how I said that there's a character who always kept getting dumped on, it's Red Hood. And I'm going to be talking about the Red Hood in the Outlaws series, both the New 52 series, which got a ton of criticism and was not justified at all if anyone had actually read the books, <clears throat> and also the new DC Rebirth, because I'm, I'm just going to put this right out. I haven't cared about Bizarro since... The, episode, the one episode he showed up in, in the Superman animated series where he was the clone of Superman and he pretty much sacrificed himself at the end, which really doesn't explain how he showed up in future episodes, but that's beside the point. That made, episode made me care about Bizarro. Until then, I had pretty much stopped caring because I had trouble with the, the backwards speak. I had trouble just, it, it was like he, just a big bruiser for Superman to punch. Well, this Red Hood in the Outlaws, 
DC Rebirth series has taken the idea of the Trinity, which is Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and given them kind of like a dark mirror version, where it's Red Hood, Artemis, and Bizarro. And this Bizarro makes me care. He makes me feel. He still has the backward speak, but it's not overdone. And it makes sense when he's doing it. it it's just... Oh, it's so good, and I can't wait to get in to talk about it. Because I bought the first arc and kind of the epilogue issue, and it's just good. It's so good. So good. So for anyone who says Scott Lobdell can't write, shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. Now, one of the best things in Batman is the family aspect. You have Alfred being the father to Bruce. You have Bruce being a father to Dick, to Tim, and to Jason. Uh, but that, I don't want to talk too much about Jason, because that's for a whole, like I said, for a whole other show. But he needs people. In his, there's been such good Batman stories lately. Catwoman has been amazing. Um, in the past, in issues 14 and 15 of Batman, I had to sit down and think for a minute. And when the new 52, because their relationship was handled so well. And it it's great. I love I always hope that Batman and Selene and Cap that Bruce and Selena end up together. And so did a lot of fans. That's why in the Silver Age on a they met on the Earth 2 Bat, Bruce retired as being Batman, Cat married Selina, and they had a daughter and had a family. And she grew up and became the Huntress. And that's part of why I loved... the When the New 52 came out, I read the Earth 2 uh, books, I think it was called World's Finest, where it was the daughter of Bruce and Selina. And I, again, I'll be talking about that later. <laughs> I have a few bad episodes. I'm kind of in a Batman mood, so there are not going to be as many episodes as the Superman, but there's a lot I want to talk about because it's just so good. Uh, trust me, on this show, I don't talk about bad stuff, and if even if it's bad, I can still find something good. Of course, if someone ever tells, but there's only one thing I think I can't find good in, and that's a certain Spider-Man, well, actually, it's two stories involving Spider-Man. One is Sin's Past, where, to give you a brief summary... Spider-Man fights villains who are the artificially aged son and daughter of Harry of of Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy. Yes. Norman Osborn slept with Gwen sometime while she was dating Peter and not only slept with her, he got her pregnant. Can you see why it's one of the most reviled Spider-Man stories of all time and it's never referenced? Then there was the Trouble miniseries, which is pretty much uh, a very bad soap opera involving um, Peter's parents and uh, Aunt May and Uncle Ben when they were in their 20s. And it was pretty much, okay, we're actually saying that Peter is Ben and May's son. 
Yeah. Again, there's a reason that story is never, ever been referred to since it was printed. Ever. Sins past had follow-up issues. This thing, nobody talks about. So. Plus, I'm also a sucker for, sucker for legacy characters. But back to what I was saying about Catwoman and Batman recently. In Batman 14 and 15, we see the relationship develop. Quite a bit, actually. In fact, it... It ends with them uh, making love on a rooftop. Now, a similar scene played out in Catwoman number one when the new 52 launched. And I had, and it reviled me. It, it made me not want to pick up the book. Because it just seemed so out of place. And I had to stop and think for a minute, why? Why did that scene upset me when the exact, pretty much the exact same thing happened in this story? And it was because there was development. In, apparently the issue I, I picked up, I picked it up because Catwoman was on the cover and I was like, oh, I got a few extra shekels in my pocket. So... I'm reading it, but apparently she's been in the story since issue one of the DC Rebirth with Batman, so there's 13 issues of character development. I'm just catching the epilogue. But even still, in those 22, ish, 22 pages, we see Batman and Catwoman basically going on a date. And just and they're flirting the whole time, and you, you, the chemistry that we all know and love was there. So when the... And, the way the story ends, this wasn't just, hey, let, let, let's just uh, do what we want. <laughs> but it was, there was the romance and there was also sadness to it. Because this was their way of saying goodbye for a while. Because Catwoman is going to turn herself into the police for a crime she didn't commit, but still feels responsible for. So... That had emotional impact. It had resonance with me. The Catwoman issue from the New 52, it was just Batman shows up, he's apparently having a bad day, and costumes start getting ripped. That that was pretty much it. There, there was no... For, it was just there, I should say. And... I had to think, why Why did I have a problem with it? And it was because we didn't have the build-up. It was just, bang, we're there. It was more like for shock value than for telling part of the story. And that was the key. It had to be story-driven. It couldn't just be there for shock value, which I think in the New 52 Catwoman issue number one, it was just there for the shock value. Because you're like, oh, hey, because, yeah, after that came out, there were a lot of jokes about what exactly Batman kept in his utility belt. But I have always been a fan of the Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle romance, and I hope um, things happen that eventually we get the payoff. Because there are, to me, great comic book couples. Some, and when they're either written out or viewed as no one cares, I'd like to say I care. When DC got rid of 
Clark and Lois's marriage. That killed me. When Marvel got rid of Peter and Mary Jane's marriage. That killed me. When the Fantastic Four have pretty much disappeared from existence. That killed me. Because there are comic book relationships that work. You have Clark and Lois, Batman and Selina, Reed and Sue, um, Ben and... Um, Mind Girl. Darn it, why can't I think of her name? Every Everybody listening is now screaming at the podcast, at their iPods. Oh, God, what is her name? And anyhow, you, you know who, who I'm talking about, and I'm expecting a rather nasty email from Jean. How did you forget? Blank. So, Alicia, Alicia Masters, there it is, right there. I was thinking Felicia Hardy, and now I'm like, that's Black Cat. But yeah, again, I think they dissolved the spider marriage just so they could have Peter shag Black Cat again. But... <sighs> Relationships in comics do work. And I, there's a comic out there called Invincible, and I'm going to tangent off this real quick, and it's, it'll be real brief. But it dealt with relationships. As the main character grows up... He has relationships where they don't work out, where they, and then, you know, and then when he finds the person he loves, there's ups and downs in that relationship. And it's not perfect. It treated it as a real relationship. And that's, I'm trying to condense about 150 some issues, but yeah, it, it, that's why I love that comic so much, is the, is the relationship between the main characters and, and his uh, love interest. So, for those who say family in comics don't matter, you're wrong. Just, and because that is why Batman needs Robin. Because for those of you who say, oh, he's just running around in tight pants, not anymore. First off, the costume's been completely redesigned since about 1989. So for over 25 years, it's been, you know, an actual costume that would function as, you know, something that could withstand military, uh, you know, fighting. So, and even mo and modern interpretations when they flash back to the early years, again, it's more the Tim Drake style, the long, the full pants, Kevlar armor, everything. So that that's that's the way it's been for, and that's the way it'll. We're never going back to the pixie boots and the and the pants and the, and the short pants again. We're never doing that again. So, Batman needs Robin because Robin keeps him in the light. Alfred does the best he can, but sometimes Batman goes off the reservation a bit. And Robin has always been the calm, stabilizing influence on him. And there's been a lot of different Robins throughout the, uh, the years. There's been Dick Grayson, who, like I said, grew up, had a bit of a falling out with Bruce, but... They reconciled, and now he's Nightwing. And uh, one special episode I have planned is just talking about why Chuck Dixon was the definitive Batman writer of the 1990s, and it was sad to see him go, but it was just announced he's coming back to Batman, and he's doing a t whole Bane miniseries. So, yeah, I'm excited for that, because when you have the creator of the character and an art and a writer of the caliber of Chuck Dixon, 
I'm happy. I am very happy. Because Chuck Dixon expanded to me the Batman universe. He created the Birds of Prey. He created Night... He pretty much fleshed out Nightwing in ways no one had ever done. He's what I think made Nightwing into his own character. Because until then, he had kind of been hanging out more with the Teen Titans. And while still being a good character, I think when he got his solo book under Chuck Dixon's pen, that's when it took off. And then Devin Grayson came onto the book in the later years. And oh, I, I will never say anything bad about a writer because they can write... The fact that they're in print and I'm not, that puts a whole up... There were steps way above me, so... But some of her writing and some of the things she did, it was not... I didn't personally enjoy it. Um, yeah, we didn't need it. Uh, anyhow, <clears throat> not going to talk about it. Positive place, positive place. <sighs> so, Robin is needed. And he's been a great character. And again, Chuck Dixon wrote the Robin uh, spinoff book, which lasted a hundred and some issues. And he had the longest run on the book. So that should tell you something right there. But... Robin has always been needed for Batman. When Jason was killed by Joker, Batman went dark. He went so dark that they had to do a special called Year Three, which helped to introduce uh, Tim Drake, because Nightwing came to Batman and said, "Bruce, you do you go any darker, you're going to start killing. You're going to break your one rule. You're going to start killing." So, I've always been a fan of Robin. And when Damien uh, was introduced, again, I hated him so much. And if for more information, check out uh, episode 15, the Super um, Perfect Stranger episode, where I talk about the meeting between uh, Damien and John Kent. It's great. Also, their solo series has dropped, and it is just as much fun. Now, Damien has also been good, really good. In fact, I just bought, I'm reading through the Teen Titans run, and there's something about Damien that really touched me. He said, I'm trying to figure out how to be good. I have bad blood. He hates the, his heritage from the Al Ghul side of the family. He doesn't want to be Raish. In fact, in one scene, Raish takes him to um, something called the Mirror of Truth, which I guess shows you your heart's inner heart's desire. And Raish is looking at Damien in the mirror, and he sees, you know, Raish, you know, he sees himself, because he's trying to mold Damien into becoming his heir, since, you know, Bruce is obviously off the table now. But when Damien looks in the mirror, he sees his father. He sees Batman. He sees the good in him. Now, he doesn't do... He's done a lot of jerky things. Because he's still a bit of a, a jerk. In a, but he's now in more of a Guy Gardner jerk vein. And he still messes up. And he still does things the wrong way. But you see he cares. And let me tell you this, friends. A bunch of superheroes wouldn't break into the League of Assassins' hidden fortress to rescue someone they hated. And, yeah, check out the Teen Titans. Um, it's five issues right now. It, it, it's just, it's 
they're fun books. Ugh. Again, DC Rebirth has been so much fun. I I can't think there. I don't think there's a bad book in the line right now. But what really got me with Damien, again, my main first big big exposure to Damien's turn was actually in the Earth Two story, where he's met by uh, Batgirl and Power Girl, who are the uh, Batgirl and, and no, actually, um, I, I don't want to talk about that because that that'll that'll take a while. Anyhow, Damien has completely changed, and I enjoy it, and I enjoy seeing more of this character and seeing more of his character progression. And I want to talk right now about something I just read. In fact, this is what. I'm I'm glad I kind of held off on recording because I because uh, of this cold because it gave me a chance to read uh, the Detective Comics from DC Rebirth and Tim. Whew, it was the greatest 168 page story I've read of Tim Drake in a long, long time. The kid Tim has decided that he is going to give up being Robin. He's going to he never planned on being Batman. He never planned and that's that's been true with the character for a long time. He doesn't want to be Batman's replacement. He's doing the superhero thing right now, but he he wants to, you know, eventually put it away and live a normal life. And in this detective comics uh, first arc, then the trade paperback's available, and that's that's where I picked it up because it, it is cheaper than my individual issues. I'll tell you that right now. Because um, it's seven issues for 13 bucks. I mean, you can't find that anywhere because each individual issue is going for three. Now, so he's going to go to college. He's he's with Spoiler, which I'm so happy for. You know, his life's on track. But he's still debating whether or not to, you know, accept this uh, prestige. Because he's I, like being accept, accepted to the DC ver Universe version of take Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge... Every Ivy League school, smash them all together, and then throw in, you know, the DC Universe uh, technology cur curriculum that's available. Yeah. He, he, he got a free pass to go to this school. Not because of Bruce Wayne or anything, but because of his own merit. So, yeah, he has a free ride to this school. And he decides, no, I'm going to be Robin. But later on, he's like, you know... I'm, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to uh, become, you know, I'm my own man now. I'm going to keep dating a spoiler. And, you know, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to help, but I'm still going to help people because I have all this intelligence. And, you know, the, the kid built a bat cave that could repair itself. He built buildings with self-repairing windows because he's like, yeah, I put, windows break all the time. I planned on, you know, I made a system that they automatically replace each other for like up to three more times before we have to go buy more windows to fill these launchers. He, the, ki the kid's a super genius. And in fact, what I loved about Detective Comics is they brought in Clayface, the villain, and he's actually become more of a, I hate to say it, but a Ben Grimm thing character. And it's been great because Clayface just goes, kid, 
You built all of this. Why are you still, why are you in the superhero biz? Look at what you can do. This is Clayface we're talking about. And I love that line. I loved it so much. So yeah, Clayface in this, in this Detective Comics run is pretty much Ben Grimm. And since Ben Grimm has disappeared, thank you, Marvel! In that not-at-all way, there's a reason why I'm not giving you any money. Okay, I, I am buying Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, but that's it. That's all you're getting. Because it's Jerry Conway, and that comic is freaking awesome, and I am doing a podcast on it. But Tim, throughout the story, Tim has to make... Uh, he's dealing with the choices. Well, things happen, and these automated remote drones are being sent to attack innocent people because the person who sent them thinks that they're actually part of a League of Assassins uh, rogue clan, which Race just kind of made up, and Batman knows it's fake, but they can't stop it. So Robin hacks into these drones and he because they can't be stopped he sets them to a single target himself and everyone has been fighting these other guys so they're all scattered throughout the city and no one can reach Tim in time and Bruce is just you see through through it's a whole issue you see Bruce just tearing through the city doing everything he can to get there he's ordering Alfred to send the batch at he, telling it to go into full, you know, Mach 2 mode. He doesn't care if he shatters every window in Gotham with a sonic boom. He want, he needs the Batwing there. He needs to get to Tim as soon as possible. And Alfred just goes, it's not, it can't be done. It's not going to happen, Master. And even though we don't see Alfred's face and the t dialogue boxes are, uh, you know, just him over a comic, I can still hear the desperation and sorrow in Alfred's voice. And when he says it, it's still going to take 10 minutes to get to the manor, from the manor, sir. I can just hear him going, no, not again, not again. Well, Tim is able to fight off a first wave. And then we have some scenes with him talking to Bruce, telling them goodbye. And then his final words are to Stephanie saying I love you goodbye and Tim sacrificed himself that hit home so hard now I know what's going to happen but and I've read this issue two or three times this morning just because I still it still choked me up even though I knew how the story resolved because I'll be getting to that in a minute but everyone is in mourning and Batman's again going really dark so I'm going to be picking up the next issues to see what what the fallout is but the main story ends at the apartment uh, Tim and uh, spoiler, Stephanie Brown are sh sharing. And spoiler is just crying, and there's ba and, and, and Batman's already there, and he, he's giving her the, you know, the proud, I'm proud of him 
He did what any hero could do. And Stephanie goes, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And hands Bruce um, the letter of the acceptance letter he received from the college. And Bruce is reading it. And then his eyes go wide. His hands shake and tremble. And he just drops the letter in stunned disbelief. Well, I shouldn't say in shock. In shock, not disbelief. In shock. Because that's what he wanted for Tim, too. He wanted Tim to... Because he knew Tim was meant for more things than just being a robin and kicking the crap out of criminals. So Bruce turns around. Just broods for five seconds. Faces Stephanie. And then they just hug. And that's a half-page panel. It's just them hugging. And crying. And it was so powerful. Such a good, good story. But that was not the end of the story. Because there's been an um, ongoing plot through all the DC books... In fact, in different books where there's this guy who's spinning threads. And I think it's going to tie into this big Watchmen crossover that they have planned for next year. But so, but I, And I like how they're not just do, they're throwing in all these little seeds throughout all the different books. Which, again, is a nice little touch. So we find out that this guy, right before these drones fire missiles and, and wipe Tim off the face of the earth teleports Tim into a prison cell. So Tim is alive. But no one knows that yet, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that reveal, and and, and uh, just the hap... I'm looking forward to seeing the happiness on Stephanie's face. Because that morning, just, just that... That shot was so powerful. I mean, when's the last time you saw Batman hug someone? Because in that moment, again, this is why I love the character. He was a father mourning the loss of a son. And that's what I love about Batman. I love him as a hero. And I love him as a person. And when he's treated as a human being, is when he's the best. When he's written, like I said, when he's written as someone who knows everything and is aloof and, you know, I don't have time for this, I don't like him so much. But when he's written as an actual caring human being, yes, he has a rough exterior. But when that heart shines through, that's when I love Batman. When he's fighting the Joker, when he's fighting the Riddler and Two-Face and whatever and kicking the crap out of Ra's al Ghul. Oh, I love all that too. But when we see eight-year-old Bruce come out of the shadows, that is when Batman is amazing. And it, it's sadly all too rare but it's becoming more and more prevalent. And I'm hoping that with the release of the Lego Batman movie, and we're seeing that comedy and a lighter tone in Batman can work. And not just in Lego Batman, but also the Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated series, which I forgot to mention. 
which is just a love letter to 1960s and 70s Batman, is so touching and good. It's why we need a Robin. So, those are my thoughts on Batman. And I could do a podcast on every character. I mean, I haven't even gone into the rogues gallery. <laughs> just doing the, just talking about, you know, Mr. J and Harley and... <laughs> those could... I could do an entire show, a whole separate podcast on Batman. But check out Batman Universe. Uh... It's a, it's everything and everything Batman. So if you're if you're interested to speak, check them out. They've got great research material, great articles, comic book reviews, everything you could need about Batman. Now, going now for the next few episodes, I'm going to be talking about other characters in the Batman universe. Like I mentioned, I'll be talking about Red Hood and the Outlaws, but I'm also going to be talking about Nightwing, and uh, Catwoman, and I'm really looking forward to talking about uh, Huntress the, uh, from the New 52, because it's been a while since I got into those books, and I'd like to reread them, but I don't think I'm going to do them all in one uh, long marathon of Bat Month, you know, or, you know, turn this into Bat Year 2017. So, I'll, I'll probably space them out and talk about other things too, and what you know, other things that come up. And again, friends, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what attracts you to not just Batman, but to the characters, to uh, the the whole mythos. Because I mean, heck, I never even talked about Jim Gordon and Renee Montoya and Harvey Bullock and all the great characters from the GCPD or. You know, how Catwoman was amazing in the series written by Ed Brubaker who and Darwin Cook. Because, yeah, whoo, that's great. And there's just so much I want to talk about. And I love to have the opportunity to. And I love to be able to share what I enjoy with you, my friends. And I want to hear what you enjoy. Because this is a positive and passionate place to geek out. You can listen to me geek out. I'd love listening to you guys geeking out. So drop me a line at tangentsabound at gmail.com. Send me an iTunes review. Send me a comment. Send me a tweet at A-H-E-N-L-E-Y-2011. That's the official Twitter of Tangents Abound. I send little uh, uh, tweets um, to as like little teases for what the episode's going to cover. I've got a lot of... I've got a really special episode coming up where we... Um, I'm going to have some friends on, and we're going to talk about the greatest Batman movie, period. And all of you are probably thinking, hmm, The Dark Knight, okay. Or, hmm, Batman Begins, hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the Nolan or Burton films. So, you can probably figure out what it is, because it's the best Batman movie ever made, and nobody knows about it. So, I'm looking forward to getting with my friends and talking about that, because I have some special guests planned. And, again, I look forward to hearing from you, my friends, and thank you for listening. 
Have a great morning. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And now, normally, friends, this is the part of the show where you would hear me say, you know, Tangents of Brown is a free audio podcast. No money is made in the production and distribution of the show. Any and all audio clips used in the show are for education review purposes only. And all copyrighted material is owned by their respective copyright holders. No infringement is intended. Thank you and have a good night. Well, not while I was working on this episode and a few others... I got a very nice little notice. So, as of March 1st, 2017, Tangents Abound is bigger and better than ever because now I am an official two true freak! That's right! Me and Harley have been accepted and are proud members of the two true freaks family of podcast oh it's so awesome it's such a great honor i am jazzed to be a part of the network thank you all so much for joining me i can't wait to hear from all of my friends and take care once again my friends and here's the new end tag for the show visit our website at two truefreaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Thanks for listening 